0: Lumos. Hello, and welcome to this episode of The Harry Podcast, the show where we analyze and discuss each chapter of the Harry Potter series from a literary perspective. I'm David.
1: And I'm Madeline, and today's episode is called Harry Podcast and the Very Secret Diary. Today we will be discussing Tom Riddle's diary and the events surrounding it.
0: So, Madeline, if you had a diary like Tom Riddle's and you were going to put one memory into its pages that anyone could read and they would experience that memory, what memory would you want to share with people?
1: So, a memory they could go into like Harry does. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I think that the memory I would share would probably be um, the first morning that I was in Copenhagen when I was studying abroad there. Um, and I had to get up and use public transportation on my own and it was silent. All the people were silent on public transportation and it was pitch black, even though it was about seven and eight in the morning. And then when I left my meeting, it was still, um, just turning light gray in the sky. And it was a very strange experience because I had just gotten there and was jet lagged and was nervous, and also I had to experience this otherworldly feeling. Yeah,
0: you were like, where'd the sun go?
1: (laughs) And just doing this whole traveling on transportation silently with black outside was very interesting, and it felt like a very exciting and also lonely experience, so it's hard to explain to people. So what about you? What memory would you want people to be able to go into of yours?
0: Well, I was trying to think of memories that are really tough to describe to people, like you were just saying. And the one that I came up with was my first ever acapella show in college mm-hmm. because it was such a surreal experience for me as, like, a freshman who didn't really understand this, like, thing that I was doing and and how important it would be to me. Um, and I I have very little memory of the event itself because I was so excited. I, like, almost wasn't able to make memories of it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I do remember the, the the feelings that I had during the whole thing, but... Um, I I would love to even just go back and, like, watch my own memory of it play Mm -hmm. again. So I would also love to be able to show it to other people just to to describe how it feels to be there Mm -hmm. doing that, you know? Mm Mm-hmm.
1: All right. A lot happens in this chapter, so let's get started. First, Harry and Ron discover flooding in Myrtle's bathroom and go investigate.
0: Myrtle is upset because someone threw a book at her.
1: Despite Ron's protest that mysterious books can be incredibly dangerous, Harry picks it up.
0: And it turns out to be a diary from 1943, which is 50 years before the present. And it has T.M. Riddle on the inside cover.
1: Ron identifies this name, Riddle's name, from a special award for services to the school he polished hundreds of times in the trophy room during detention once.
0: And then Hermione gets out of the hospital wing, and she and Harry come up with a theory that Riddle may have been the guy who captured whoever opened the chamber and then received the award for capturing that person. So they theorize that his diary may have crucial information about the Chamber of Secrets, how it works, what's inside it, etc.
1: So Harry feels really drawn to the diary and the name TM Riddle, but he doesn't really understand why.
0: Then we cut to Valentine's Day and Lockhart is decorating the Great Hall and he organizes a group of really mean-looking dwarves to go around and give people valentines.
1: Harry receives a singing valentine and is extremely embarrassed. In the commotion, his bag breaks and the contents are covered with red ink from a broken bottle.
0: Malfoy picks up the diary and, thinking that it's Harry's, taunts him before Harry uses Expelliarmus to recover it. Ginny is present and she also looks horrified at what's going on.
1: Malfoy implies that Ginny probably sent Harry the valentine and Ginny runs off in tears.
0: Harry notices later that the diary has no ink stains, although all of his other books do. He decides to investigate this later.
1: When he goes to bed early, he begins writing in the diary and sees that the diary writes back.
0: Tom Riddle, who is the diary's owner, explains that he can show Harry how he caught the air last time. Harry agrees and is immediately transported into Riddle's memory of the event.
1: Riddle speaks to Headmaster Dippet and realizes that he won't be able to stay at Hogwarts unless the attacks stop. He runs into Dumbledore briefly and then goes to the dungeons.
0: Down there, he confronts a boy revealed to be Rubeus Hagrid, who was attempting to transport some sort of large spider-like creature out of the dungeon. Riddle accuses Hagrid's monster of accidentally killing a girl, and then attempts to capture it, but it escapes.
1: Harry returns to the present day, and when Ron bursts into the room, tells him that Hagrid was the one who opened the chamber 50 years ago.
0: So we wanted to focus this chapter's discussion on the diary, the pivotal sort of object of the book. But first, let's check in with Ginny because there's a little bit going on with her this chapter as well. So um, we see her in the scene with the singing Valentine Mm -hmm. and she looks sort of horrified. And that's kind of cool because um, the interpretation that the reader and Harry have of this is that, oh, like she is just really upset because like, she sent this singing valentine but it's not going well like harry is really embarrassed and everyone thinks it's really funny yeah um and so she's just sort of like upset by that and then when malfoy is like i don't think potter liked your valentine much she's like really upset and she goes off crying right um but there's a particular moment where she is sort of horrified at um malfoy holding the diary that everyone thinks is harry's diary Mm -hmm. um and she connects that diary, that particular diary to Harry and she looks really upset. So, um, again, the reader is going to be distracted by everything else that's going on and think, oh, maybe Ginny just is hoping that, um, Malfoy doesn't like start reading Harry's diary out mm. loud. Cause like, you know, she doesn't want his whole personal life to be out in the open or whatever.
1: Or maybe she's worried that he's going to write something about her or yeah. about how he doesn't like her or, you know, who knows. Right, like
0: maybe Harry's been writing, oh, like this really annoying Jenny has been following yeah. me around and being annoying. So that's what it seems like. Mm-hmm. But if you have read the book before, um you know that she is actually the one who disposed of the diary And because she finally figured out this connection between the attacks and the diary. Right. And so when she sees Harry with it, now she's worried for multiple reasons. A, it wasn't destroyed by Mm -hmm. being flushed down the toilet like she thought it would. Mm -hmm. And B, now Harry has it. So she's really worried that Riddle is going to expose her as the culprit to Harry or give Harry some sort of insider information about Ginny. Mm -hmm. Because remember, Ginny's been spilling all of her secrets to Tom. Right. And so now that Harry has the possession of it, she's really worried that All of her is going to be revealed to him, too. Yes.
1: And we also know that she is desperate for Harry not to be associated with the attacks. Right. um, When she's in her correct state of mind. So she definitely doesn't want Harry to be more tied to this or get involved. So there's a lot of layers with the diary. It's a really well-written scene because J.K. Rowling is clearly, you know, fooling everyone in the scene and us. um, We can totally follow the through line of just, she has a crush on Harry throughout this whole book until the very end. Right. Mm -hmm. So before we get into what the diary does, there's a series of events that has to occur for Harry to come into the possession of the diary. So first, um, as we alluded to just now, After Janine makes the connection between the attacks and the diary, that something is going on between those two, she disposes of it by flushing it down the toilet into Myrtle's head, as we hear. Mm -hmm. The bathroom floods. Harry and Ron come upon it. Um, They hear the story from Myrtle about getting a book thrown at her, and they see the book. They pick up the diary. Harry's drawn to pick it up, even though Ron tells him it could be dangerous. You don't know what charms there are on this book. Mm -hmm. So that's how he gets the diary. So Ginny has disposed of it intentionally in that bathroom.
0: Right. And then there are a series of events that precipitate on Valentine's Day around how Harry comes to understand how the diary works. Yeah. Sort of by accident. So the whole thing with Lockhart and Valentine's Day and all the dwarves and Valentines and Ginny's Valentine to him and then – there's a commotion where Harry tries to get away and his bag is torn and ink gets everywhere all over his books. So, that all that has to happen for him to realize that oh, the diary absorbs ink somehow. Mhm. Um and then and then he uses that to figure out how it works. So, all of these things seem really fortuitous. And when we were reading it again this time, both of us were thinking about you know, we know that this diary Um, we will eventually come to understand that it's a horcrux. Right. And we know that horcruxes have an innate magical power all their own. It's sort of like they have their own identity. Mm -hmm. And we know that from this book, that this diary definitely has Tom Riddle's identity inside of it. Um, But we were wondering whether this diary is actually manipulating events, sort of pulling strings Mm -hmm. to get things to happen in just such a way where Harry will come into possession of it, and then Harry will investigate it and figure out how it works.
1: I think yeah that's a really interesting point because it's not something that I thought of before as you said reading at this time but not only the events of this chapter of all these things it seemed like such a coincidence that Harry would mm-hmm. find it would realize that something's going on and how to use the diary um but even we we talked a lot about at the beginning of the book the whole Lucius giving Jenny the diary We came up with an explanation, but it did still seem very kind of like still why Mm -hmm. that happened. And I wonder, again, in that way, is the diary like making these moves somehow and somehow influencing people to do certain things um, in a brief way, you know, not like in a cursed way like Jenny is, but like somehow giving somebody the urge to... Do certain things
0: yeah and we do see later on um that other horcruxes do manipulate people's emotions right. and, and compel them to act in certain ways of course. and that doesn't always work um but it does happen yeah. so yeah one wonders if that is an explanation for some of the weird happenings in this book the odd coincidences and things like that um and i definitely think there is some component of that that, yes. that is affecting events in this chapter in particular because we we notice things like Harry being compelled to hang on to this diary, even though he thinks and, you know, they've all investigated it at this point and no one's been able to find out any information from it, Mm -hmm. um, not even Hermione. And so Harry is like, you know, why am I holding on to this book? Well, I just kind of feel like I should. Yeah. And he finds himself like idly flipping through its pages, even though there's nothing written on them. Right. So it really is kind of like a a compulsion that the Mm -hmm. diary is like pulling him in Um, and then eventually he does figure it out and it pulls him in for real. Um, so yeah, I think all this is indicative of, um, the idea that this diary is a very powerful object. Yes. I think Rowling is, is sort of leading us into this understanding very slowly that this is something that we really need to be paying attention to. This is actually the pivotal object of the entire Mm -hmm. book. Mm -hmm. And so it gets a whole chapter named after it too. Right. Um, and then, so then we, then we get to the part where Harry actually figures out how it works and he starts writing in it.
1: I think that this part is really cool because, um, what I noticed was that earlier in the chapter, Harry and Hermione are trying to convince Ron that, oh, maybe this diary is, you know, maybe Riddle got his award for, um you know, busting the Chamber of Secrets error, and maybe he wrote about it in this diary, which was 50 years ago, which is kind of a, you know, very, like, logical, but also really specific theory Mm -hmm. that they come with, with first of all, so that's another potential influence the diary has. And then, um, whether that was an influence or not, they had that exact conversation, and the diary is writing back exactly what Harry wants to hear. So basically saying, yes, I wrote about this In this diary, I was the one who caught it. I know who it is. I can show you. Let me show you.
0: Yeah. And And
1: really pulling him in.
0: And the, yeah, you're, you're totally right. The diary is giving Harry exactly what he wants to hear. And it's, it's saying, yes, I've preserved my memory of the events in these pages so Mm -hmm. that when people come and the chamber is opened again, people can come to this book as a resource. Mm Mm-hmm. And and Riddle is manipulating Harry here in a very specific way because, as you just said, Harry and his friends have been looking for something like this. Mm-hmm. And when they find it, this is what they theorize it is, and Riddle knows that. Right. The Riddle in the diary is aware of their thoughts somehow yes. and, and their conversations. And so he's like, okay, if um, – when Harry starts writing and asking these questions, like, I'm going to manipulate him to gain his trust. I'm going to show him the way that I caught, in mm-hmm. quotation marks, Hagrid, um, and then – I will use that to gain his trust and then I'll manipulate him further. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's exactly what he does.
1: Another thing that, I mean, this is kind of going back to the just sucking him in in general, but I think that that kind of metaphor of literally it's sucking up the ink and it's sucking up the ink that um, Harry gives the diary mm-hmm. and then in theory using that ink to like regurgitate words back up. So yeah. it's taking like part of the person um, oh wow in a that's way. really cool and like using that to give back to them which is also like what a horcrux does so it's really just yeah. taking feeding off um, what's going on around it
0: yeah in this case like literally words right. ink um, yeah that's really cool I never thought about it that way but you're right it is like it is like pulling in <laughs> and then regurgitating It's it's not there's nothing organic about this diary mm-hmm. it needs you to write in it first for it to be able to write back yeah it's really interesting stuff. Oh, and then there's one other thing that I threw in here, which is um just sort of like a joke, but also um I'm I'm pretty sure Rowling throws this stuff in intentionally for people on rereads to be like, oh my god, I never noticed that before. Um Ron actually jokes that when they're when they're trying to come up with like why Riddle got his award, mm-hmm. um they have a bunch of theories and Ron jokes that maybe Riddle got his award for killing Myrtle.
1: All right. <laughs> which uh, he did. <laughs> which
0: he did. So he did kill Myrtle, and then he got the award for stopping the attacks, right. which he caused. And and it's an interesting thing because <laughs> like it's like it's true. He got his award for killing Myrtle in a way.
1: Yeah, that i had never thought about that in that way. That's cool.
0: So now we get to the best part of the chapter. We enter into Tom Riddle's memory of the events that he's describing, um, and this is Harry's first time being in a memory, mm-hmm. um, and so. What's really interesting about this from the f- the first time we see Harry interact in this memory is he's he's trying to talk to Professor Dippet. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of readers have wondered about this because this is before Riddle enters the scene. Right. And we see Dippet like sitting there and he's reading this letter and he like sighs and then he gets up um, and we're wondering like, okay, but if this is Riddle's memory, how did he know about Dippet doing those things behind closed doors? Huh. You know, did he just like imagine that's what was happening? Hmm. Or or is it something else, that the magic of preserving a memory actually preserves the actual events that happen around a person at a certain time? Um, because, like, you know, otherwise it would have just been a blank space where the room was, and then Riddle yeah. enters and suddenly the room is there. You That's know, true. it doesn't really make sense.
1: It could also have to do with what we'll talk about in a minute, which is the ability that Um, people have to manipulate their memories, especially when they're preserved in this way.
0: Right. Which, again, we'll talk about later. Um, So then they have a discussion, Dippet and Riddle, Mm -hmm. and um, it's ostensibly about whether Riddle can stay at Hogwarts over the summer. Mm -hmm. And Dippet says, like, honestly, Tom, you know, normally we would make an exception for you because you're such a brilliant student um, and we would let you stay here. But under the current circumstances, with all the attacks going on, it's not possible. And Riddle is like, oh, but if the attack stopped, like, maybe I could stay. stay." And then they get sidetracked on that because that's a a big, you know, thing to say. Mm -hmm. Um, But you essentially have this moment where Riddle realizes, oh, I need to stop the attacks now. Right. And from Harry's perspective, it seems like someone saying... Oh, I know who's behind the attacks and now I need to confront them because mm-hmm. this like otherwise Hogwarts will close and I won't be able to live here anymore. Right. And and Harry has an interesting connection with Riddle in that way, right? Because both of them value Hogwarts as their own like real home. They do. Um but anyway, that is the impetus for Riddle's quote unquote decision to then go and confront the heir of Slytherin.
1: Yeah, so to to back up a little bit, Um, how Harry views the events of this memory and how Riddle's trying to get him and us to be the memory is that Riddle is, you know, a good guy and he knows that Hagrid has these troubles with this, some creature, um, and that we assume from the memory is the monster from the chamber, but has covered it up either to protect him or to some for some other reason. But he now decides that he can't allow it to continue because it threatens Hogwarts existence and he needs Hogwarts to be there because mm-hmm. as he mentions he is lives in an orphanage and does not want to go back there ever again so he doesn't want to be there during the holidays so that's what we see is okay he's using this information that he has to make a decision to reveal Hagrid's position
0: Right. And uh, and then Hagrid as the culprit, as we see in the chapter, makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. This is why Harry believes it automatically, too, is because Hagrid is this guy who is so caring and so good-natured, but he has the soft spot for monstrous creatures. Right. And, and he doesn't understand how other people think of them as dangerous and killers. He feels like he is, you know, a really good mother to monsters in this weird way. Um, and so because of how Riddle frames it, which is like, I'm sure you didn't mean for this to happen. It just got out somehow. Um, but like, you know, a girl's dead. So like, we have to take care of this now. Mm -hmm. Um, it fits entirely within what Harry and all these other characters know about Hagrid's nature. And so this is why Harry is so trusting of the story and why Harry believes it immediately. It's because he's like, yeah, like Hagrid would do something like that. Yeah. They've
1: seen in the previous book, um, Hagrid's propensity for taking care of very dangerous creatures and Mm -hmm. thinking things are going to be okay and they're too risky, actually. So it just completely makes sense. There's no question that Hagrid would have done something like this, especially as a young student.
0: Absolutely. And going back for a real quick second, we have um, the conversation between Riddle and Dippet. Um, There is a really cool parallel between when Dippet asks Tom, do you know anything about what's going on? Do you Mm -hmm. know anything about these attacks? And Riddle says no. Um, and Harry thinks, "Wow, that's actually really similar to my know that I just gave Dumbledore last chapter." Um, right. And so Harry is seeing more similarities between him and Riddle, and and for him, I think it's like a moment of understanding. He sort of gets where Riddle is coming from here, and it's it's also again, this is probably intentional from Riddle's perspective exactly. to frame it this way, so that Harry we're feels like yeah, Harry feels like we're in the same position. Like he's doing what I would do in this situation.
1: And again, another parallel that we're supposed to feel that Harry's supposed to feel is, oh, he's an orphan. He's an orphan as well, and um, he doesn't want to go home during the summer. Harry, what I'm sure, loved to stay at Hogwarts as his home, yeah. at all times. Um, and to just to emphasize that point again for a minute, you know, Riddle, who we know, who we know is Voldemort, is. Actually, the only choice that he's really making here is what is more important to him continuing these killings and attacks or staying at Hogwarts. And he actually chooses Hogwarts over the attacks, which I think is important because um, we see Voldemort as just, you know, killing for killing's sake, um, wanting to kill all uh, Muggleborns, things like that. But um, he really is choosing his own home over Mm -hmm. killing so it's not like he's a good guy now because of that but you know it's still selfish um and it's the only thing that prompts him to stop the attacks but it is an interesting choice that he is making here that he would much rather stay at hogwarts than continue this reign of terror that he's been doing in secret
0: yeah but i think that makes a lot of sense for tom riddle you know before he became lord voldemort and and became less than human you know, he he did really care genuinely about Hogwarts, yeah. even though he opened the chamber and set the monster on all these students and is very psychopathic. Like, he really does care about Hogwarts as a school mm-hmm. and as a, as a home for him. So I don't think it's that surprising that he's like, oh, as soon as Hogwarts itself is threatened, I need to just cut it out. Right. But he's not going to give himself up and he's not going to quietly stop the attacks. He wants to make a big show of it. Right. To let everybody know the attacks are over. Yes. Um. So he decides, I need to pin it on somebody. And he has the perfect scapegoat in Hagrid because, as we said, everyone will believe that it was Hagrid's fault by mistake. Mm -hmm. He has this monstrous creature. It's like a perfect setup. Um, And so he orchestrates this catching of Hagrid. Mm -hmm. Um, Hagrid is expelled and sent to Azkaban. And Riddle is able to say, the attacks have stopped because the attacker is gone. Right. And then as long as he doesn't open the chamber again, everyone will believe him. That he caught the right person. And that's why he was able to get the award for special services to the school. Right. There's another interesting thing um, about this scene, which is that he interacts with Dumbledore briefly. And you and I were trying to think about why that scene is is present in the memories. And we couldn't really come up with anything. It's very short. Mm-hmm. Um, the film version of this scene sort of has that as the quote-unquote conversation mm-hmm. instead of dip it they just don't have dip it at all instead it's a conversation between riddle and Dumbledore mm-hmm. but in the book it's sort of like a oh like why is he talking to Dumbledore now
1: and why does he choose to include this mm-hmm. because I' just skipped saying, over it right as we're saying you know riddle can definitely or anyone who's preserving their memories in this way can choose what they show um, and manipulate them in some ways especially from scene to scene as it were so he could totally have skipped dumbledores
0: yeah but he leaves it in and i and it makes you wonder why that is so um listeners if any of you have any theories about why that is feel free to let us know because we're a little stumped by it
1: we are the only thing we could really come up with was um just to sort of allow for riddle to show harry that dumbledore knows something about this so we could assume that Harry's already heard Dumbledore say it's not a question of who but how. Um but he doesn't say who the who is. Um and we're assuming that Riddle knows that in a way that Harry has that information, so it's possible that he's trying to give a clue of that, oh, Dumbledore knows it was Hagrid because he was around during that time. Yeah. And so he would have found out.
0: Maybe. That's but an interesting don't know. point. Um the only other thing that I can think of is um, that he's just leaving the whole scene intact and not skipping over it because it's more plausible that way. Uh-huh. And and that this really did happen. And and it has an interesting moment in it too where Dumbledore gives his characteristic piercing stare right. at Riddle. Um, but uh, Riddle later on will reveal that Dumbledore alone of all of the staff believed that Haggard was innocent. Right. Um, but it's also clear to us that Dumbledore never acts on this information in any real overt way yeah. because Hagrid still gets expelled, still goes to prison, Right. and Riddle still gets the special award. Right. So clearly Dumbledore doesn't feel that he's amassed enough authority or power yet at the school to just be able to say overtly, like, I actually think it was Tom. Mm-hmm. Um. And again, we see an example of Dumbledore's character that he plays things really close to the chest.
1: Yeah, he's withholding things kind of... Even
0: from the other teachers. Yeah. Yeah and or maybe and so, something like, could have been stopped. Yeah, and and Dumbledore clearly suspects him but doesn't take any action about it, you mm-hmm. know. And I think that's sort of classic Dumbledore. He's he's kind of hands-off. He gathers information and then he sort of lets things play out. Right. Um so you just keep an eye on that. Um we'll see what happens in the rest of this book. And now for our last section this episode, we wanted to sort of have a little argument about um Riddle's memories. We want to try to debunk them. Because as people who have read all seven books, we obviously know that Riddle is misleading the reader and Harry in this chapter. But we were trying to think about just based on the information that we've gathered in this book so far, Mm -hmm. based on just what we've been able to get from that. Is it plausible to say that Riddle is misleading the reader at this point? So not knowing, but just believing what we believe. Right. So we can start with what we know about. The monster. We've discussed this in a previous episode. So we believe the monster at this point to be some sort of snake, right? Mm-hmm. Because Harry can hear it, no one else can. It has some sort of Medusa-like powers. At the very least, it can petrify people.
1: Mm-hmm. So with its eyes.
0: With its eyes, yeah. That there's some sort of connection to the visual thing. We don't know exactly what it is, um, but we know that Hagrid's monster is some sort of arachnid. There are no known examples of mythical arachnids with the power of petrifying people, as far as I know. Although, certainly, J.K. Rowling could have invented one. But I think we can say it's unlikely that this creature is Slytherin's monster, just based on that. I mean, it's not a snake, Mm -hmm. and it doesn't necessarily have the power of petrification. Mm -hmm. Also important to note that neither Riddle nor Hagrid seem to show any fear of this sort of spider. Um, Riddle is coming in bold as anything, and is just like, stand down, Hagrid, I need to put this monster down. Um, So this is an evidence in and of itself, because Riddle is obviously a very capable wizard, um, and so he may simply understand that the monster isn't dangerous to him because he knows how to defeat it. Um, But Slytherin's monster, we would imagine, is a thousand years old, is extremely powerful, is very, very difficult to defeat. So... The fact that Riddle was able to scare it away just by casting a couple spells is kind of an indication that this isn't maybe the correct beast and it might be a red herring.
1: Also, Hagrid's just like trying to put the spider in a box, like a large box, but again, it's just even if Hagrid has is the air and has control over it, it seems just very casual um Way to treat the monster.
0: Yeah, and and also Hagrid is trying to get it into the box, but not succeeding.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: So even like if Hagrid were the heir, then it's like, well, why can't he just like control why can't he it? can control
1: where it goes? Right.
0: So yeah, you, you would think uh that he would be able to. And then we have Riddle's behavior in the chapter. So, based on everything that we've talked about today on this episode, does it make sense for this to have been the case that mm-hmm. Hagrid was the heir? That Hagrid opened the chamber and released this monster. I think no, because why would Riddle cover up a girl's death if he was aware of who the culprit was? Any regular person would, like, as soon as one of their classmates died and they knew who did it, they would turn that person in or at the very least confront them immediately.
1: Yes. So assuming, again, Riddle is a good guy, which is as what we're assuming now. Right. Based on his memory. Yeah.
0: That's what he's trying to portray himself as. Yeah.
1: Why would he just cover it up and not mention anything until it was threatened that he wouldn't be able to stay at
0: Hogwarts? Right. And it's important that that's the impetus for his action. Yeah. Because that's such a flimsy reason for most people to, like, go and confront someone in comparison to a student's death. Mm-hmm. That, like, oh, I won't be able to come back to school over the summer. hmm That's his impetus for turning in Hagrid. And so we have to think about, okay, what type of person would not turn someone in based on a death but would based on the school closing? Right. It's the culprit. It's because he knows that if he turns in Hagrid, the school stays open. He can just stop the attacks and then claim credit for the guy being caught um, and get all that fame and glory. Right. But anyone else would have turned this person in as soon as they found out about it. Mm-hmm. So a far better explanation is that he is the Arab Slytherin. He opened the Chamber of Secrets and unleashed the monster, killed Myrtle, and is only now... Um, using Hagrid as a scapegoat because he's afraid Hogwarts will close if he doesn't do something. So uh, this is also an important thing that Riddle's doing because once he pins the blame on Hagrid, he knows no one else will bother looking into this further. Mm -hmm. No one's going to go looking for the Chamber of Secrets anymore. No one's going to think about, oh, like, is there still a monster? Is there still an heir? Because they will know that Hagrid was the heir when the attacks stop. When Hagrid goes off to Azkaban and the attacks stop, everyone's going to think, yeah, it was Hagrid. It's,
1: yeah, it's all over now. We don't have to go back and think mm-hmm. about that at a horrible time. And
0: as we said, Dumbledore alone believes that not to be the case, but he doesn't act on it. Right. So, yeah, um, that was our attempt at debunking Riddle's memories. Uh, but please let us know what you think of that debunking. Do you think it was effective? Have we proven Riddle to be a liar? Or do you think it's kind of flimsy evidence?
1: And if so, like, why is Harry so sucked in? You know, I mean again we can think about how much is the diary's magic and influence in that way to suck people in influencing harry's like immediate oh belief it was hagrid Mm -hmm. um or is has he just not thought it through yet um is he just so convinced because it was exactly what he wanted to hear which was that something happened i mean i think we'll talk about this in the next chapter more i believe but how harry is so quick to turn on hagrid or Mm -hmm. believe it was hagrid even if he thinks it was an accidental you know um, Attack. attack
0: yeah no it is interesting
1: okay so things are getting exciting now in terms of the mystery we're rushing towards our conclusion but we'll have to pause for this week and we'll pick up there next time Thank you all for listening to The Harry Podcast and The Very Secret Diary. We hope you've enjoyed our discussion of this chapter.
0: If you have thoughts or questions about anything we've discussed today, especially our attempted indictment of Tom Riddle's memory, please email us at contact@theharrypodcast.com. At
1: You can find out more about the show and listen to any of our episodes at www.theharrypodcast.com or on Apple Podcasts. Stay tuned for next time when we bite into Chapter 14, Cornelius Fudge. I'm Madeline.
0: And I'm David, and we'll see you next time on The Harry Podcast. Knox.